So it's not important to see me. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. La hawla wa la quwwata illa billahi al-aliyyil azim. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Wa sallallahu ala sayyidina Muhammad wa alihi al-tayyibin al-tahirin. In the previous session, we talked about the merits of taqwa or piety according to the Quran. And then I said that, inshallah, we will talk about the definition of taqwa and the factors that lead to the formation of taqwa gradually. Before I talk about those factors, I want also to mention some hadith about taqwa because there are beautiful hadith about taqwa especially from the Prophet Imam Ali So I chose for you some hadith so that you realize how important is taqwa and as I said without taqwa there is no chance of happiness in the hereafter, no chance for salvation. Taqwa is the bottom line. Without taqwa, lower than taqwa, you cannot have any kind of eternal happiness. Amir al-Mu'mineen alayhi salam said, At-tuqa ra'isul akhlaq. Tuqa and taqwa are synonymous. He said, taqwa, piety, is the master of morality, the master of one's traits of character. Inna taqwa, elsewhere he said, Inna taqwa afzalu kanzin is the best treasure. If people go after treasures which are from gold and silver and other jewelries, you go for treasure of taqwa. This is the most important treasure. وَأَحْرَزُ حِرْزًا and is the best protection. وَأَعَزُ عِزًا the greatest honor and dignity. In another hadith, Imam alayhi salam said, إِنَّ تَقْوَ اللَّهِ مُنْتَهَا رِضَ اللَّهِ مِنْ عِبَادِهِ وَحَاجَتِهِ مِنْ خَلْقِهِ the greatest thing that Allah wants from his servants is taqwa. If you achieve taqwa, Allah is pleased with you. Allah doesn't expect from you more than taqwa. Allah doesn't expect from you to be like angels or like to be the people who are in very, very high positions next to him. Allah expects from you at least to have minimum taqwa at least the lowest levels of taqwa, not to disobey him, not to do wrong. In another hadith, Imam Ali alayhi salam said, Usikum ibadallah bitaqwallah. I advise you, servants of God, to have taqwa. You know that in our fiqh, the leader of the Friday prayer, in khutbah, in the sermon, should advise people to observe taqwa. And these are the things that normally they say. Either they use the same words or similar words. 
O servants of God, I advise you to observe taqwa. This is your provision for your journey. Nothing other than taqwa would be helping you in your journey towards Allah. If you have lots of money in your saving account, if you have lots of houses, lots of children, I don't know, lots of supporters, but you don't have taqwa, so you are empty-handed. And no one is going to give you provision. You cannot borrow from anyone. You have to take your provision with yourself. So, Imam Ali says, taqwa is the provision. He has zad. Taqwa is the only thing that can give you protection. You can take refuge. Zadun mublig is a provision that definitely help you to reach your destination. Taqwa never runs out. If you achieve taqwa, so then you want to travel millions of years, it's enough. Because taqwa connects you to the treasure of Allah. So you will never become bankrupt. You know, when the light here is connected to the power plant, so it never goes out of the power. If we disconnect, sooner or later it goes off. So when you have taqwa, you will never be drained. You will never, you know, go out of power, out of charge. وَمَعَاذٌ مُنْجِهِ is a protection which makes you successful. Elsewhere, Imam Ali said, أُوسِيكُمْ بِتَقْوَى اللَّهِ I advise you to have taqwa. And then he said, after some words, وَأَشْعِرُوهَا قُلُوبَكُمْ Let your hearts experience taqwa. Let your hearts have taqwa. Taqwa is not something that you say by words. Even taqwa is not something that you do it with your actions. Taqwa is not to say prayer. Taqwa is not to give alms. These are important, but these are only valuable if they come out of taqwa in the heart. So just by looking at me, I am praying. Don't be deceived. Don't say, this man is muttaqi. No, maybe I am just showing off. Or maybe I am good in prayer, I'm not showing off. But there are so many bad, terrible qualities in my heart. So taqwa is in the heart. And this makes it very difficult to understand whether someone has taqwa or not. Because we don't have access to one's heart. The only thing that we can understand is what he says or does. Is anyone among you able to go to the heart of people and find out what they have in the heart? No. Even we cannot go to our own heart. <laughs> Sometimes there are so many different things in our heart. Some of the things are locked. It takes time to open them. Imam Ali said, and inshallah, this is why you know, we are talking about these indicators. So inshallah, we want to get some you know, information, some skills, so that we can somehow unlock these, you know, things in the heart. Let taqwa reach your heart. In Arabic, there is a beautiful 
term and that is sha'ar. What is sha'ar? Today they use sha'ar for motto or you know when they have mottos you know they say sha'ar. But in Arabic originally sha'ar no sha'ar is the dress that you put right on your skin. You know underdress. Why? Because it touches your sha'ar which is hair. Sha'ar means hair. Okay? My top dress is not sha'ar. Is dethar. But the underdress touches your skin and your hair. It is called sha'ar. So, Imam Ali says, Ash'aruha means let it be to the closest condition to your heart. Not just as an outfit. Taqwa is not an outfit. Taqwa is something that must touch you to be in the closest position to you. And remove by taqwa your sins. All the sins must be dropped if you have taqwa. And then Imam said, Protect your taqwa and then your taqwa protects you. Safeguard your taqwa and your taqwa safeguards you. This is a mutual service. You protect taqwa and then your taqwa protects you. And there are, alhamdulillah, many beautiful, you know, hadiths that I don't know, you know, how can we be thankful to Allah for the teachings of Ahlul Bayt, alayhimussalam, and all the hadiths that we have received generation by generation through our ulama. We are very rich, alhamdulillah. In every aspect, you know, you have so many beautiful, you know, teachings of Ahlul Bayt, alayhimussalam. And sometimes, you know, when you meet people of other denominations of Islam or other faith, you find that we are much richer than them. And recently we just were in a meeting, you know, interfaith meeting. And everyone was supposed to read a dua, a supplication from his own tradition. So when it comes to us, you have so many beautiful duas that you wonder which one to choose. Everyone is more beautiful than the other ones. But the other people, they don't have that much. The maximum is they go to Psalms, you know, or things like that, which are beautiful, but compared to these Dua Makarim Al-Akhlaq or, you know, Munajat Sha'bani, these kind of things, you know. So we have, alhamdulillah, many things about Taqwa. And one of the things that, inshallah, uh, we will mention over time is the connection between Taqwa and Iman. And as you remember, I said yesterday, Iman is one of the pillars of Taqwa. No one can say, I have Taqwa, but no Iman, no faith. No one can say, I am good, but I have no Iman. Or there is a person who is good, but has no Iman. Yes, a person may have some good qualities, but to be a good human being without having proper understanding of your position in this world and your relation with your Lord 
It's impossible. Let me read for you just one, two more hadith about taqwa. Unfortunately, the time is short because we have to cover many things. And then move on to the beginning of Surah Baqarah, which is about the explanation of taqwa. Imam Ali alayhi salam said, Inna taqwallah Truly, taqwa is the medicine for the illness of your heart. When you have illnesses of the heart, illnesses of the soul, it is only taqwa which can help you. When the eyes of your heart become blind, not the physical eyes, the eyes of the heart become blind, it's only taqwa that can give you back your vision. This is amazing. Even Imam Ali says that some of the illnesses of your body can be healed by taqwa. Especially nowadays, you go to doctor, maybe most of the cases they say there is no reason for your illness. It must be nervous or it must be, you know, because of, you know, stress or whatever. Nowadays, it has become, you know, very common. You have problem with your, you know, for example, stomach or with your, you know, headache. They say we don't find any physical explanation. Maybe you are under stress. Maybe you are nervous. Imam Ali says taqwa even can heal your physical illness. A person who remembers Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and is pious... He is even free from some of the physical illnesses. Because he doesn't worry too much. Today, you know, the prices have gone up or down. It doesn't make that much difference to him. Maybe he is a businessman, but he knows that this is just a game. You go to work, work hard, but at the end you must know this is just a game. The rest comes from Allah. You have to play this game, okay, seriously. But not too much think that you are the main player. You know, like children, when children play, they don't that much think that, you know, they are doing something serious. There is a hadith which says there are some good qualities about the children. One of the things is that they make things, but they are not attached to it. They quickly destroy it. You know, they spend the whole day making, for example, a house. Then they quickly destroy it. They are not attached to it. Another good quality of children is that they fight, but they don't en develop enmity. So, one of the things that we have to learn is to be like children. Look at everything which is related to dunya as a game. You buy, sell, do all these things, but this is just a game. Don't think too much about it. Don't take it too much seriously. Because in the end you become very stressful. The rest comes from Allah. You have just to do this game. Is the healing for the illness of your body. If there are some corruption, some you know, disorder in your breast, in your breast, in your heart, it will be improved by taqwa. 
If there is impurity in you, it will be removed by taqwa. If there are any veils and curtains before your eyes, they will be removed and you will have sharp vision. So taqwa is such an important thing. And you know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ya ayyuhannas, inna khalaqnaakum min dhakarin wa unsa wa ja'alnaakum shu'uban wa qaba'ila lita'arafu, inna akramakum indallah, atqaakum. O people, we have created you from a man and woman. We are all from one father and mother. Allah has made us into tribes, into different nations, given us different languages, so that we can know each other. If we all had the same color, the same, you know, look, like robots, then we could not identify each other. So it's beautiful that we have different colors, different races, but the people who have greatest honor in the sight of Allah are those who are more pious. So taqwa is the one which is really important and which matters. Now let's go to the beginning of Surat Baqarah. In a sense, the beginning of Surat Baqarah is like the beginning of the Quran. Because if you imagine Surat Fatiha as a preface to the Quran, so it's after the preface that actually starts. So the beginning of Surat Baqarah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Alif Lam Mim Zalik al Kitab La Rai Bafi Hudan Lil Muttaqeen. That book, or that is the book, you can read it in two different ways. You can say Zalika al Kitab, or you can say Zalika al Kitab. That book, or that is the book about which there is no doubt. Hudan Lil Muttaqeen is the guidance for the people who have taqwa. You may say, we want to gain taqwa by following the Quran. But the Quran says, I am giving guidance to the people who have taqwa. So it becomes circular. If I have already taqwa, so I don't need Quran. The answer is, that taqwa has different levels. You have to have the minimum amount of taqwa to begin with. Otherwise, you would not benefit from the Quran. You have to have some purity and piety so that you benefit from the Quran and then Quran improves your condition. Look at the people in Mecca. When the Prophet started his mission, some people believed in him and the Quran, some people didn't believe him in the Quran. But do you think that the people who believed in him and the Quran were corrupt people? Were mischief makers? Do you believe that Abu Zar, Salman, Ammar, Yasser, these types of people, they lacked some type of purity, some taqwa? No. Before 
embracing Islam, they had some good qualities in their heart, and therefore they believed in the Prophet. At least they were truth-seeking. At least they were humble enough to acknowledge that the Prophet has something that they need. They were not arrogant. This is taqwa. So taqwa is not just saying prayer or you know, fasting or going to hajj. These are very important. But the minimum level of taqwa is to be interested in truth. To be humble. Abu Zar was a man who was very honest. And the Prophet said, the sky has not provided shadow on anyone more frank and more telling the truth than Abu Zar. He was very frank. Even sometimes maybe there were things that he could, you know, just keep silent, but he couldn't keep silent. He had to say. It is said that when the Prophet wanted to migrate from Mecca to Medina, you know, the night, the story that Imam Ali, you know, slept in the house of the Prophet. So Abu Zar was responsible to take the Prophet outside Mecca. So he covered the Prophet and was trying to take the Prophet outside. The pagans saw Abu Zar and asked Abu Zar, what are you carrying? So if you were instead of Abu Zar, what do you say? You say, you know, something, you know, a lie maybe. But Abu Zar said, I'm carrying the prophet. He told the truth. And these people say he's joking. If he's carrying the prophet, he's not tell us. So they let him go. So he was such a person that so honest. So you think it was not this honesty that helped him to become a Muslim? I think it was his honesty that helped him to become a Muslim. It was not that Abu Zar was like Abu Sufyan. Abu Zar was like Abu Jahl. Then accidentally he became Muslim. No. Those who became Muslim, they had some good qualities. And because of that, they were guided. And the same is about the people who convert today, the people who choose to become Muslim. We are Muslim by birth, so we don't know how genuine we are. It's to Allah to decide. But those who choose to become Muslim, it's not accidental. They really are seeking the truth. They are honest. They are humble. So they choose Islam. So this is something beautiful. I wish there was a way for me to convert to Islam. So, because then I could be, you know, proud of myself that I, you know, chose this for myself. So we give congratulations to our convert brothers and sisters. So to be able to become a Muslim is in need of taqwa. Therefore, the Quran says, "Hudan lil muttaqin." Quran is the guidance for the pious people, for the people who have purity. Who are these people? These are the people that 
sooner or later I am saying this with you know I mean what I say these are the people that sooner or later they would believe maybe it takes them some time but sooner or later they believe the people who have some light in their heart even if they are sinful sooner or later they repent the people who have no iman sooner or later they embrace if there is light so in a sense repentance is also a new kind of transformation so we can at least try this if we cannot be convert at least we can try repentance because repentance is also a kind of transformation it's not accidental that horror can repent if Hor repents, you don't think that Hor was like many other people in the army of Omar Sa'ad. Just accidentally, he met Imam, for example, and he repented. Hor was a different person. Hor was a person who was noble. And you know the story of Hor and how polite he was when he met the Imam. He was sent to stop Imam, but still, with all his soldiers, he said his prayer behind Imam Hussein. Isn't this politeness? Isn't this humbleness? So, it's not accidental. So, these people who have this piety, these are the people that yu'minuna bil ghaib. Sooner or later, they will embrace Islam they will believe they believe not only in the obvious things if you believe only in what you see or hear this is not enough you don't find any religion in the world which says to you just believe in what you see or hear whether it's Christianity or Judaism or Islam you have to believe in the things that you may not be able to see but they are there. يؤمنون بالغيب. And something, yes. And something interesting is that غيب. What does غيب mean? غيب means hidden. But in reality, what is hidden? We say Ghaib is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, angels, you know, we cannot see them. But in reality, they are not hidden. It's me which is unable to see them and realize them. You know, you are all visible, okay? But if I close my eyes, you are become Ghaib. Have you changed? No, it's my lack of ability to see you then you become rape if someone you know, switches after light you all become rape for me <laughs> but it's my lack of ability and you know capability to see you Allah is not rape angels are not rape we are unable to see them if someone speaks you know English and I don't know English so I said these people say nonsense what are they saying you know they're just you know making some noise it doesn't make sense to me but 
If I know the English language, oh, these people are saying something important. You know, like when we hear to the birds, we don't understand what they say. We think that they're making noise. Maybe nice noise, but we don't understand. So for us, certain things are ghayb, but indeed they are not ghayb. Who is more obvious than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Imam Hussein alayhi salam said in Dua Arafah, Mata ghibta hatta tahtaja ila dalil. Oh Allah, when you disappeared so that I need a guide to take me to you. Allah has never disappeared. He's not ghaib. Ayakunu lighayraka min al-zuhur ma laysa lak. Is there any clarity for anyone other than you that you don't have that clarity? Is anything more obvious than you? For Imam Hussein, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the most obvious thing. For us, maybe Allah is not that obvious. But still we believe in him. So it's a matter of my lack of knowledge, my lack of understanding, that I divide things and the truths into two different categories. I say certain truths, certain facts relate to those things that I can see, certain relate to those things that I cannot see. Yeah? This is my way of dividing things. Otherwise, everything exists, everything is true, and indeed, those things that I cannot see are the most powerful ones. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the most powerful one. Angels are the most powerful ones and I cannot see them. You know, even in physics, they say that the range that we can, you know, see or for example hear or smell is a, a spectrum. If it is higher than that or lower than that we cannot feel if there is a light which is higher than what we are used to it we cannot see if it's lower also we cannot see it's our problem it's our limitation in any case the pious the muttaqin are those who have faith in the things which can be seen or the thing which cannot be seen it doesn't make any difference for them they are mature enough to realize that to be true doesn't need to be seen. Do you need to see something so that it's true? No, there are many things that we cannot see. Even there are many things in this physical world that we cannot see. If someone's sending a text message to me right now, can you see the text message moving from his mobile to the network and then coming to me? You cannot see it, but it's going on. So it's ghaib. Although it is related to the physical world, it's still it's ghaib. So there can be many ways of communication that we, can understand, we cannot understand. You don't understand a person sending text message to me. Then why you say, I don't believe in Allah revealing to this man who is a prophet? Why you are surprised? There are many things that even in this physical world you don't understand. Why you say, I must see myself that revelation comes down or the book comes down? There is no condition. 
So, alladhina yu'minuna bil ghaib. They believe in what is not visible or not perceivable by the senses, conventional senses. But, وَيُقِيمُونَ salah. They also do something. Just to believe is not enough. In addition to belief, you have to do something. You have to act upon your belief. There is a poor person, for example, asking for help. He says, I am dying. I am starving. Please help me. Then I don't help him. My friend asked me, why you don't help him? I say, I believe he is genuine. I really believe in him. But I don't want to help him. Then my friend says, what is the point in this belief? You believe he is poor, he is dying, he is starving, and you don't help him? You are joking. How can you believe and then do nothing? If I believe in something, I must act upon it. Otherwise, I am questioning my own belief. If I am a human being. If I am not a human being, okay. But how can a human being stop acting according to what he believes or she believes? It's a matter of dishonesty. If I say, I believe this is a genuine person, but I don't want to help him. This means that I'm not honest. If I believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I believe in Islam, I believe in the Quran, and then I don't practice. So it's like a joke. I am ridiculing myself. I have an illness. You give me the medicine. You say this is the best medicine produced. I say I believe in you, but I don't want to take any medicine. Okay, so it means that you don't want to be healed. You want to die. If you really believe, you have to take it. It doesn't make any sense. If you believe in food, what do you do? You eat it. You don't say, I believe in food, but I don't eat. How many of you have believed in food and didn't take the food? You believe in sleeping and you sleep. When you are tired, you believe that you have to go to park and you go. But what, why it comes to Islam, we say we believe, but we don't practice. So it's not reasonable. It's not wise. If you believe really in something, you have to practice. Socrates had a view that some people, you know, may not accept. And some people have tried to modify. But he was saying that the only reason why people do something wrong is ignorance. Because he had the idea that it's impossible for a human being to know something and then act against it. If you know something, you must do it. I am not saying as radical as Socrates, but at least I am saying that if you believe in a code of life, not just theoretical things, if you believe in a religion, wholeheartedly you have to practice. Otherwise you are not going to benefit. One case which is very important is Salat. Salat is a test. It's not enough to say Salat, but at least it's a test. You cannot find 
a faithful who is not praying. Yes, there may be people who pray, but they are not faithful. You know, it's a necessary condition, not sufficient condition. It's impossible to have a faithful who doesn't say prayer. But we need also other things. And Allah says, not only he says prayer, or she says prayer, she establishes prayer. salat What does iqamatus salat mean? Iqamatus salat, to establish the prayer. What does it mean? It means that to put prayer in the position that it deserves, in the right position. If you have a scholar in the community, what is the right position for that scholar? The right position is to give him the pulpit, to give him the speaker. If you say, we have a scholar and we are very much benefiting from him. So I say, what do you do with him? He said, we have put him in kitchen. He's cooking for us and make sure all ingredients are halal. So is it benefiting from a scholar? It's waste of a scholar. So many of us, we use prayer. We say prayer, but we have put prayer in the kitchen. Even less than kitchen, because the time we spend on making food, we don't spend on time on prayer. When everything is finished and we don't have anything else to do, then he said, let's say prayer. Iqamatus salat means to make prayer the pillar of our life. As salatu amududdin. Prayer is the pillar of faith. So shouldn't this be pillar of your life? I have to admit that I myself still regret that I have not done this. But I hope, inshallah, the time comes that I can plan everything according to prayer. Unfortunately, at the moment, I am so busy that I cannot do this. Maybe some of you, inshallah, can do this. I want to have a time in my life, inshallah, that everything I built around prayer. So I say, this is the time of my Zohar prayer. Half an hour before that, I want to prepare for my prayer. Making wuzu, sitting, reflection, contemplation. Then I say my prayer. Then other commitments, other appointments, I make it accordingly. So my first appointment is with my prayer. Which is indeed with my Lord. If you cannot make this five times a day, at least three times a day, and plan everything else according to prayer. I am not at the moment doing this. Maybe not completely. But, inshallah, this is my hope. With your du'as, inshallah, I will be able to do it. But if you can do it, you know, please do it. This is iqamatus salat. To put the prayer in its right position, in the position that it deserves. In addition to having faith, in addition to putting place, prayer in its right place, in its upright position, they spend 
from what we have given them for charitable purposes. They don't keep the money for themselves. Of course, enfaq spending for charitable purposes cannot be limited to money. It can be money. It can be other good things that you, sometimes you give good, not money. Sometimes you give time. Sometimes you give, I don't know, uh, advice. Anything good that you have, you should be able to share. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says something very special in the Quran. He says, You will never achieve goodness, you will never achieve piety unless you give what you love. So it's just not giving. You have to give what you love. In other words, you have to give something that is difficult for you to give. Something that is a struggle for you to give. If you don't want it, you want to get rid of it, it's not enough. Maybe it solves the problem of that person. But it doesn't solve your problem. You know, if a person is, for example, a starving and I give him the food which is remaining in the fridge from yesterday, that person would not die, but is not going to change me into a better person. I have to give him the fresh food that I have cooked today, because this is what I love. Something that you love. Because by giving what you love, you gain Freedom. You liberate yourself from hubbud dunya. The same is about amount. It depends on people how much they have. But for sure you must give that much that is significant for you. If I have 1,000 pounds and I give one pound, I don't think this is significant. If I have one billion pound and I give one thousand pound, it's not significant. You have to give something which matters to you. Something that when you give, you feel its place is empty. You know, if I have hundreds of dress and I give two of them to someone, I don't feel anything. So it's not working. Maybe it works for that person, but not for you. You have to give that much that you feel that is taken from you, you know? It's like, for example, you know, when you give blood, they say, you know, it's good for you to give blood, to donate blood. But if you give one, two, three drops, <laughs> it's not useful. You have to give that much that your body feels the difference and it starts, you know, working again. So... And from what we have given them. It's not yours. Allah has given you. But they are that much understanding that they know that they should listen to Allah who has given them. And again Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَالَّذِينَ يُؤْمِنُونَ بِمَا أُنزِلَ إِلَيْكَ 
although we have already talked about faith, but because faith is very important, Allah again comes back to the issue of Iman. We already talked about Iman, but again Allah says, The people who have faith, they believe. In what? Ma unzilla ilayk. What has been revealed to you? Wama unzilla min qablik. And what has been revealed before you? You know, Islam is a religion which has the best potential for dialogue. Why? We are the only people in the world who believe in previous revelations. So we are in the easiest ground for dialogue. Because I believe in Christianity, I believe in Judaism as religions which originated from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When it comes to Christians, they have to work hard to create a space for us. Of course, hard according to the traditions, otherwise it's very easy. When it comes to Jews, they have the most difficult situation because they don't believe in Christianity, they don't believe in Islam. So we are in the easiest ground. Because to be Muslim for us means we have to accept Jesus. We have to accept Moses. We have to accept Abraham. Yeah? And Allah says, وَمَا أُنزِلَ مِنْ قَبْلِكَ You have to believe in whatever Allah has revealed to the Prophet and whatever Allah has revealed before. We don't say, okay, because we have Quran, we have Islam, so we don't bother about previous revelations. No, you have to accept them. You have to believe in them. Because it has come from the same Lord, from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَبِالْآخِرَتِهُمْ So they have faith in the hidden things in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They have faith in revelations and prophets. And they have certainty about the hereafter. These are the three principles of religion. Faith in God, faith in prophethood, and faith in the hereafter, the resurrection. But when it comes to the resurrection, Allah mentions yaqeen instead of iman. Because yaqeen is a strong iman. There are people who are mu'min, but maybe have not yet achieved yaqeen. For the hereafter, you need to be certain. No doubt. Even a slight doubt would stop you to work and prepare for the hereafter. You have to be 100% sure about the hereafter. For you to see the hell or heaven or not to see must be the same. And then if it becomes the same, then you would actually see. You start seeing, as we have in Surah Takasur, There are three types of, three levels of certainty. We have yaqeen, we have yaqeen, and we have yaqeen. Sometimes there is a fire, I see the smoke, I don't see the fire, but the smoke is there. So I realize that there must be a fire. It is certainty, but this is the lowest level of certainty. Sometimes I see the fire itself, 
by my eyes. So I don't come to know about fire by looking at the effect, which is a smoke. I look at the fire itself. This is Ainul Yaqeen. You are seeing by your eyes. And sometimes you go near the fire, you put your finger on the fire and the fire burns your finger. Then this is Haqqul Yaqeen. So not only you see it, you feel it. So if people tell you, this is not a fire, this is illusion, you don't listen. You say, I have felt it. So with respect to the hereafter, at least we should have the lowest level, which is like seeing the smoke. But for some people, it becomes haqqul yaqeen, like seeing the fire. For some people, it becomes like haqqul yaqeen, which is feeling. Imam Ali alayhi salam, as we said previously, in Khutbat Muttaqeen, says, Hum wal jannatuka man qad ra'aha, fahum fiha muna'amun. وَهُمْ وَالنَّارُ كَمَنْ قَدْ رَآهَا فَهُمْ فِيهَا مُعَذَّبُونَ Muttaqeen are the people that with respect to heaven, they are like the people who see the heaven and are enjoying the heaven. With respect to hell, they are like the people who see the hell and are suffering in the hell. They are so much sure about it, so much certain about it. Or for example, in the same khutbah, in the same khutbah al-muttaqeens, Sermon of the Pious, Imam Ali says that the pious people are the people that when they read the verses of the Qur'an about heaven, they so much reflect on these verses that as if these verses are explaining their own situation. When they reach the verses which are about warning and you know asking people to think about the hell and the punishment they think that this is about them when they read a verse which is warning they listen wholeheartedly to these verses and they think as if they are seeing the blaze of fire they take it so much seriously Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says these are the people who have guidance of the Lord you remember we started with guidance, now we are ending with guidance. We said, La fi hodan lil muttaqeen. Yeah? The Quran is the guidance for muttaqeen. Then we said, Muttaqeen are the people who have these qualities, and then at the end Allah says, These are the people who have guidance. How beautifully the Quran wraps up. So the people who have guidance are these people. These are the people who have benefited from the Qur'an and keep benefiting from the Qur'an. They would increase their taqwa because they are listening to the Qur'an. And these are the only people that would have happiness and prosperity.
So now what we have done is that we have explained the concept of taqwa with using few underlying concepts. One is iman, one is practice like prayer and giving charity, and one is certainty. Inshallah, in the next session, we will go further to explore more the concept of Iman. What is Iman? How can we be sure that we have Iman? Of course, according to the light of the Quran itself. So we will go to the Quran itself to guide us about the concept of Iman, inshallah. Allah, ma sha Allah, Muhammad wa ala Muhammad.